this session um, is called Be Limited. Um, and Sarah's session that was immediately before this and my session are both based on this book, which is called Strengthening the Soul of Your Leadership. It's by a woman called Ruth Haley Barton. So I'm going to leave it on here if you want to have a look at this. But I'm looking today at Chapter 7, which is um, about living within limits. So the whole of this book is based on the story of Moses. And for those of you who are here with the session for Sarah, and a lot of you will know the story of Moses anyway, but the Israelites, God's people, had spent 400 years in slavery in Egypt, and God rescued them with the help of, of Moses. And he led them into the wilderness where they spent 40 years living a nomadic life. All the while, they were headed to the land of Canaan. This was the promised land, a, a land for a nation that had been landless for hundreds of years. And we're looking today at Exodus chapter 18. Now, the first few verses in Exodus chapter 18, what we read is that Jethro is um, the father-in-law of Moses. And Moses, for whatever reason, had decided to send his wife and his children to go and live with um, their father-in-law. So they weren't actually living. And as the, as the Israelites were traveling around, um, Jethro actually contacted Moses and said, We're gonna, I'm going to bring your wife and your kids to you. And so he met Moses and he was really impressed by everything that had been going on and what he could see. And then, sorry, I've been a really good Christian today and forgotten my Bible this weekend. Um, but it's on our phone, so praise the Lord. Um, so, uh, and then we are starting at verse... 13. The next day, Moses took his seat to serve as a judge for the people. And they stood around him from morning till evening. When his father-in-law saw that Moses was doing, when his father-in-law saw what Moses was doing for the people, he said, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you alone sit as judge while all these people stand around you from morning until evening? And Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me. And I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and God's instructions. And Moses's father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come to you only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice and may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and his instructions. Show them the way they are to live and how to behave, but select capable men from all the people who fear God. God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you and the simple cases they can decide for themselves. That will make your load lighter because they will share it with you. And if you do this, and God so commands, you will be able to stand the strain and all these people will go home satisfied. Verse 17. 
what you are doing is not good. That was the verse that really stood out to me. Surely you're going to wear yourself out. Surely. For the task is too heavy for you. You can't do it alone. Now, Moses was a great leader, but he had to learn how to find a way to do life that worked for him in his current circumstances. And what we see in this passage is that there were negative effects in the way that Moses was carrying out his leadership responsibilities. And just like with many of us, these things sneak up on us. We don't actually always realize that we're fully overwhelmed. And the first hint, really, that Moses' life in leadership and what he was doing had become unworkable was actually at the beginning of the chapter, where we read that he'd sent his young family home to his father-in-laws. And that's not a good sign. When his lifestyle is not really seen conducive enough to include his own wife and children. So that in itself was a warning sign. And Jethro was the first person to actually challenge Moses' lifestyle. When the Israelites on their journey were brought closer together in proximity to Jethro, he brought Moses' wife and kids to him. And we read that Jethro actually said to Moses first, what you're doing, actually, this work that you've got in front of you, your mission, everything, this is brilliant. But I can see something here that's not quite right. Richard Swenson, uh, in a book called Taking On Too Much, said this, when you reach the limits of your resources, your abilities, you have no margin left. Yet because we don't even know what the margin is, we don't realise it's gone. We know that something is not right, but we can't solve the puzzle beyond that. Our pain is palpable, but our assailant remains unnamed. We can't just keep on going. There has to be a limit. And we don't always have a Jethro in our lives. Someone that can actually just speak some truth to us. Someone, and actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be very controversial now with what I'm about to say, because one of the biggest Jethro's in my life is not a Christian. She is someone who's one of my dearest friends, and I journey with her, and I walk with her, and I'm incredibly open about my faith and my life and, and what my life involves. And she is the one, from an outside perspective, can look into my life, and she'll go, ooh, She's the one that challenges me the most in many ways. So I think sometimes as Christians, we are wary of getting close to non-Christian people because we see them maybe as our mission. We see them as people that, you know, oh, I need to hold them at arm's length because they're not Christian. We can't be unequally yoked, all this sort of thing. But actually, that I don't think is always the case. You've still got to choose wisely. Christians or non-Christians, you have to choose wisely. But we need a Jethro in our life. So what are the symptoms? How do we recognize what being depleted, what reaching our limits looks like. Now for me, and I mentioned it this morning, Galatians chapter 5, the fruits of the Spirit. How are they in my life? How is my patience? How is my love? How is my self-control? Because if it's not increasing, if it's decreasing in my life, then there is something amiss. And in the book, 
Barton talks about. She actually gives loads of examples, and, and I recommend you can come and have a look at it or read it yourself. But um, I just thought I'd share one of them with you, which is actually one of the things that she highlights as a warning sign is irritability and hypersensitivity. <laughs> but one of the key things is, is that often isn't outward. You know, we can be very good about, you know, being irritable inwardly. Um, one of my, another of my very good friends, you know, she kind of will often talk about her husband when she's working too hard and whatnot, and she'll go, I know things aren't great. She said, I can hear him think, <laughs> and it irritates me. <laughs> or she'll go, I didn't sleep a wink last night. I led there, and he was breathing. <laughs> you know that's not a good sign, you know. <laughs> you know that's and we laugh. But it's those sorts of symptoms in our lives. Will we recognise the symptoms? And in this passage in Romans, Romans 12, I actually, um, as part of my master's degree, I did a couple of modules on the book of Romans. And so I've got quite a lot of Romans commentaries at home. So obviously in preparation for this weekend, I dug them out and I was like, right, what do these, what do these commentaries have to say about people? And these people that write these commentaries are incredibly clever, gifted people. But what was really interesting was every single one said this. They said, expect to work until you're tired. Keep at it, even on the days when you're not in the mood. You can't just play at it when you feel like it. Christian service isn't a hobby. People sometimes think that it is, but actually it's a divine calling and you've got to keep going. You've got to keep pushing through. You've got to keep busy. And none of that is wrong. I'm sure that's very true. And again, I'm going to suggest something slightly controversial, which is every single one of those books that I have at home is written by a white male. And this is why it's incredibly important for us as Christians to read works and read commentaries from people from other ethnicities, other socio-demographic backgrounds, you know, other genders, because they will have a very different perspective on what this passage actually says. Because I can almost guarantee you that every single one of those men that wrote that will have had someone behind them facilitating their busyness. If they've got kids, if they've got a home, if they've got commitments, someone is carrying a burden so they can work long hours and rush off to serve and, and be all these wonderful things. And none of those things are wrong. But what I'm saying is, is we just need to be mindful that actually our limits are based on our circumstances and everybody's circumstances are unique. And yes, Romans 12 calls us to be a living sacrifice, but not at the expense of our own mental health as women in particular. In, in my life, I mean, I've had so many different seasons of my life I've obviously been a child, I've been a teenager, I've been in full-time education. I then got married, I worked full-time, my husband worked full-time uh, for six years before we had our first child. And in that season, we were serving the church loads, you know. And then I had my first child and I went back to work 30 hours a week. And my husband at the time, his business had, had gone really, really busy and he was away all the time. I was literally at home trying to work and manage this child. And then I had my second child. And again, went back 30 hours a week. And I can tell you now that my serving had to drop in that season compared to my pre-children's season. And then suddenly I found myself as a stay-at-home mum. 
Circumstances dictated, and I didn't plan that at all, dictated that I ended up at home looking after two young children. Now, my serving in that season, while my husband was away working long hours, actually went quite through the roof. I was doing toddler groups, I was doing this, I was doing that, I was tea and coffee at the church, because I was able to do those things. Then, when my kids were teenagers and they were at school, you know, I was doing my master's degree, I was, I was preaching in lots of different places, my commitments went through the roof. During lockdown, I was homeschooling while trying to write my dissertation. You know, actually, my serving, whew, for a season, it shrank. And I think it's that awareness of our seasons that we are in in that moment. I have a friend who, um, her and her husband are, are both pastors of a church, and, and they're both so passionate, and they have the home open all the time. And he's amazing with the kids as well, so they're definitely, there's definitely like a 50 fit split going on. And I can compare myself to them sometimes and go, am I doing enough? Should I have more in my life? But that's a very different circumstance. It's a very different circumstance if you're caring for sick relatives, if you've got disability in your family. If you're a single mum, one of my closest friends is a single mum who's raised three children completely by herself and works a really long hours in a full-time job just to make ends meet. Her serving, in many ways, is no less important or significant than someone who has more capacity. And I think that is the key. And for about five years ago, for me, I realised that actually... I had some symptoms of not understanding my limits, not understanding the season that I was in. You know, I, I was great with other people, you know, I could, I could give, and I'm also, I'm a, I'm a people pleaser by nature. I don't like conflict, I like to say yes, I like naturally to help people where I can. But what was happening is I was investing so much time in, in saying yes, which I'm gonna come into in a little bit, bit more, but in saying yes to things, that actually I, I was depleted in other areas. That I was being really lovely to everyone else, but my own family irritated the heck out of me. <laughs> you know, and you realise that something is not right. Something is not right. I was bringing my family the scraps of my exhausted self and then was frustrated about the fact that what I was giving them wasn't enough and wasn't cutting it. And we can't serve others, we can't reach others, we can't be great bosses and employees and wives and mothers if we're depleted. When we become depleted, when we become exhausted, when we become worn out, when we allow the tempo of our life to be driven by anything other than the grace of God, we become bitter and angry. And it's scary because it isn't a conscious decision we make. We don't go, this morning, I'm going to be a rat bag. <laughs> I'm going to have road rage. You know, you know, today's the day that I'm just going to be really hard work to live with. And it was here that I, I read a book by Shauna Nyquist called Present Over Perfect. And again, it's another fantastic book. And she explored why so many women feel depleted, why they haven't quite got this balance of work, family, church, friends, God, right. And she said it's because we're so good at putting other people first. We have a heart to help, a desire to serve. We're often sacrificial and reliable and loyal and committed and we will never buy out, bow out. We are everyone's responsible person. We think it's the godly thing to do. And we're supposed to be a living sacrifice, absolutely. 
And I would take that a step further in that, you know, we are meant to be, we're taught that we are helpers, we are facilitators. This is our role to serve. And she suggested that the problem is often we're so deeply invested in other people thinking that we are low maintenance. She said it's this kickback from the fact that some women are princesses, they're high maintenance and they're needy. So we want to be seen as flexible and tough and efficient and fast and battle ready and inexhaustible and we're just going to roll with the punches type of women. But when we are everyone's reliable and responsible person, when we're so keen to be seen as low maintenance, two things happen. She says the first thing is, we are in danger of keeping ourselves from asking for, for what we need, for in fear of being labelled difficult or deaverish. We put ourselves so far down the bottom of the pile that we don't even know what we need anymore. And ladies, we made a start this weekend. <laughs> Come away just to think and to evaluate and reassess how's, how's the rhythm, how are the limits in our lives. The second thing she said, which really struck me, was that we, inv we invertedly, invert inadvertently, there you go, that's the word, we inadvertently train a whole group of people in our world to know that we will never say no. So we become everyone's go-to person. Because anyone needs help or something doing, we will say yes. Because we want to help. And therefore, people just keep asking. And it becomes this perpetual cycle. They know we will say yes. They know we are reliable. But we can only keep saying yes until something gives. We end up in helper mode. And serving God, yes, it does mean the practical. And interestingly, the church often has men in the strategic and leadership and business end of things, and women are kind of running around and actually doing a lot of the actual work. And the expectation that we will do the practical now. Leaders, we can end up doing both. We're busy doing the strategic management and doing the practical, but that's what makes us great leaders. You know, you watch the TV programs where you get the top CEOs and they get them in the warehouse undercover, you know, with the actual work, workers to understand how does this actually work? What is actually going on? So this kind of working at ground level, you know, Fiona is the most beautiful example of that. You will find her cleaning the toilets. She's always in the kitchen, this Fiona Castle. She's always serving other people. She's got this beautiful strategy, leadership, wisdom, but she keeps her feet firmly on the ground. But we just need to be mindful of that balance and of how much of the busyness that we do at either end of the scale impacts our overall life. If you aren't careful with your yeses, we start to say no to some very important things without realising it. Because that was one of my biggest lessons. Whatever you say yes to, you are saying no to something else. So before, when someone asks you, can you do, will you be, just pause. You can always say, I'll get back to you and think, what am I saying no to in order to do that? And if it's 
Well, I'm saying no to not watching another episode on Netflix. Fine. If you're saying no to actually not being home for the sixth night straight on the trot, may maybe not. If, if you're saying no, you're saying yes means that you won't get your exercise in or you won't get your time with God in or you, you just become too stretched, maybe that's not the right time to say yes. We want to help, we don't want to disappoint, but our yes is a no to something else. We are servants of whatever or whoever gets the first and the best of our time. We easily become spread too thin, narrow the scope of activity, and these might be good things. These might be God things, but they might not be God things for you in this season. Mark chapter 1 tells us that Jesus had been teaching all day long. There was a huge crowd and he was performing miracles. And verses 33 and 34 says, the whole city was healed. Well, not the whole city, but lots of people were healed. There was loads of demands on, on Jesus's attention. And suddenly you get this shift in chapter verse 35. And it tells us that Jesus went away from the crowd alone to pray. He left the masses and the disciples went hunting him down. And they're like, Jesus, you're missing a brilliant opportunity. Look at this huge crowd. These people are eager. They're leaning in. They want to hear from you. And Jesus goes, actually, this might be a great opportunity to show God's power. But no, it's my time to withdraw. And, and it, the, the, the Bible tells us that despite this crowd waiting, Jesus actually withdrew. And actually, he changed direction. He ended up going to Capernaum because that was where God then wanted him next. It's good enough for Jesus. <laughs> it's good enough for us. And this is why knowing your purpose and your priorities for the season that you are in now is valuable. And these commitments that you have are the litmus test for all the decisions that you face. We should be constantly looking at and being intentional with our time. Constantly looking at the rhythm that we have in our life. And that rhythm of serving should constantly be changing because sometimes we maintain a rhythm of serving that was great for a previous season in a current season. And it's time maybe to either pick things up because you've had a season where you've not had much time and actually now you do, but it might be a time to put some things down. That rhythm that worked for me when I worked full-time did not work for me when I worked almost full-time and had two young children. <laughs> you've got to adapt and you've got to change that rhythm. And what is interesting is in 2 Corinthians 10, <clears throat> verses 12 to 17, Paul actually talks about the dangers of comparing ourselves to other people, measuring ourselves against their accomplishment. And his anecdote for this, for all of it, is to stay within the limits of our own lives and calling. He says this, he says, we, however, will not boast beyond limits, but will keep within the field that God has assigned to us to reach out even as far as you. We are not overstepping our limits when we reached you. And he goes on to say, we do not boast beyond limits. That is in the labours of others. But our hope is that as your faith increases, 
your sphere of action among you may be greatly enlarged. And Paul uses this word limits three times in just a few verses. And he seems very clear about limits and the boundaries of his, his calling. He knew the field of work that God had given him. And he knew better than to go outside of that in that season. That sphere of action and influence that God had given him in that moment was, was Paul's focus. Have we really faced the, the possibility that there might be real limits to our lives, to our personalities as well? And just embrace them. Because our refusal to live within limits is one of the reasons why I get in an exhausted state. We need the ability to be at peace with the field which God has placed us in for today, for such a season as this. There is a finiteness to what I can do in this body. And that's just part of being a human. There's a finiteness to how many relationships that I can meaning, meaningfully engage in at one time. There is a finiteness to how many days there are in a week, weeks there are in a month, months there are in a year. There is a finiteness to my energy, my fitness. There is a time when I'm tired. There's a time when I'm sick. There's a time when I'm injured. And these are times when I'm reminded that I am the finite human living in the presence of an infinite God. And God is the one who is infinite. God is the one who can do all things for all people and to all people. God is the one who can be in all places at once. God is the one who never sleeps. I am not. <laughs> it's about giving the best of ourselves. And we must focus on the primary roles that God has given us for this season of our lives. This gives us balance on what we are trying to do, giving ourselves permission to prioritise those things. And then we can give those things the best of us. And Priscilla Shira, who wrote a book called The Resolutions of Women, one of her resolutions is this, and again, it's another thing it's worth looking at. One of her resolutions is this. She says, I will seek to devote the best of myself, my time, my limits, to the primary roles the Lord has entrusted me in the season of my life I'm in now. And just as we close, I just want you just to close your eyes. Um, what's great about this book is at the end of each chapter, there's just, there's just a bit of practice, so we're just going to do the practice. I'm just going to speak over you. Um, and uh, just, just what it says in this book, it says... Someone said that we are not human beings trying to be spiritual, but spiritual beings trying to become human. Think about that for a moment. It's true, isn't it? It raises the very important question of how are you doing at being human? Just going to take a few moments just to reflect. If you take a few moments to breathe deeply 
and pay particular attention to how the awareness of your breathing helps you to become attuned to your life in your body. Allow yourself to be at ease for a few moments and experience the soft body of yourself, its limits, its needs, its tender places, its weariness, its vulnerability, its strength. Experience your finiteness and what it feels like to be a finite being in the presence of an infinite God. And then just reflect on where your experience might have been similar to Moses, similar to me, where you too may need to leave, lead to live within your limits. Has your life and your way of life become unmanageable to the extent that you have sent your family away, even if it's figuratively speaking, not physically? Or have not been able to give your best to some of the people that you love or fully include them in your heart and life? Has anyone offered comments on your way of life just like Jethro did? Are there people you need to pay attention to? Are you trying to do it alone? Is there a way in which your body is trying to speak to you through illness aches, pains, exhaustion. Sit with the question, the question that seems most pertinent to you now. And I'm just going to say a prayer. And just listen to this prayer and just see what God is saying to you today. O Eternal One, it would be easier for me to pray if I were clear and of a single mind and pure heart. If I could be done hiding from myself and from you, even in my prayers. But I am who I am, mixture of motives and excuses, a blur of memories, quiver of hopes, knot of fear, tangle of confusion, and restless with love for love. Come find me, Lord. Be with me exactly as I am. Help me find me, Lord. Help me accept what I am so I can begin to be yours. Amen.